You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. Okay, I know you I know what you're thinking, Sean. You're going to say I'm excited about this podcast. I am because I think you're going to learn something today. I try to bring in a very broad audience and the goal is to equip, to encourage and educate. Today, we're going to do a little bit of educating. I have Kay Scott Griffith with me here today. He was the chief safety officer at American Airlines, and he's just written the book, The Leader's Guide to Managing Risk. If you've been an entrepreneur, managing risk is something you got to know how to do. And the tagline, a proven method to build resilience and reliability. I like both of those as well. All right, Kay Scott Griffith. Do I call you Kay? Do I call you Scott? Which way do I go here? Yeah, Scott, Sean. Scott's there fine. We go. There we go. Okay, Scott. So uh, working for American Airlines, obviously, uh, we don't want things to crash because nothing happens good. I always joke when I'm on a plane, if I may say this, like when they're going through the whole safety thing, I'm like, <laughs> is any of that going to matter if this thing goes down? Like, I love where they like, like grab your seat and it's a flotation device. I'm like, that'll be the least of my worries. Right. Well, it's a one in six million chance. And you're right. That's the least. You, you should worry more about the drive to the airport than, than what happens when you get on the airplane. Right. I If anything, when my plane's going down, I want, what is that oxygen that knocks you out or whatever it is? That's the last thing. I don't want to live through anything. I want something that takes me out before I hit the bottom. All right. So obviously being a safety officer, I mean, I love this book, this idea, the leader's guide to managing risk. We're, let's talk about, you know, how business owners and why they need to manage it and, and and a little bit about your book and how you approach it. Sure. So the what inspired me to write the book, Sean, was I witnessed a plane crash and I was a pilot. Uh, 1985, I was uh, doing an inspection on a plane at DFW Airport, getting ready to fly to New York. And I looked up in the sky and I saw a Delta plane coming in and it crashed. It crashed because it was uh, it, it got enveloped in something called a microburst wind shear. And immediately thereafter, the wind knocked me to the ground. I ran onto the airplane and passengers were freaking out. And uh, I was able to keep them on the airplane and, and the event subsided. But afterward, it really stuck with me that the reason that plane crashed, because they couldn't see and understand the risk ahead of them. And so from that, I took a leave of absence from the airline and went to work for NASA as a physicist uh, developing a microburst detection system in it, and I was also a test pilot in teaching pilots how to see and avoid this particular threat. And that became a powerful metaphor for me over the course of my career, so much so that I developed a program called the Aviation Safety Action Program, which contributed to a 95% reduction in the fatal accident rate across the entire industry. And in about 2000, the Surgeon General invited me to, to, to come into healthcare. And then after that, other is, industries and businesses started asking me to come out and speak. And then I eventually left the airline, wrote the book, and now I offer something that I think any business can use to uh, to manage risk. And, and, and like every business, obviously, every business has a degree of risk. I mean, what Walmart will have as a degree of risk is different than an airline's, obviously, what a software company would have. So uh, across the broad universe of businesses, where do you feel like you, you can give the greatest, like just help, give us like a management 101. What, what is risk? How do we base level manage it? And what, what are like, what are the things that we're completely ignoring? Sure. So, so I, I listened to a podcast you did just last week, and one of your points, and I and I agree with it, 
is that in entrepreneurs and business leaders shouldn't shy away from risk. We shouldn't just drive for security. We, we take risk because opportunities are the way you grow and build businesses. So with, with opportunity, though, comes risk. They're two sides of the same coin. So we teach people not to be risk averse, but to be risk intelligent. And that intelligence. I like that word requires that you have a level of understanding, situational understanding, uh, the ability to see below the waterline, to, to use another metaphor. I like that as well. And, you know, I'll say something that'll, uh, it, it's a provocative way of saying the opposite of what uh, you may have heard of the book, The Black Swan. And Nassim Taleb says, look to the extremes. And, and my central motive is that, no, the, 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 the black swans are right in front of you. You just can't see them because you, you don't, you're not looking. So risk for any business will, will be not just in what the business does well, but what can cause you to, be, uh, to go out of business is, are things that you can't see or maybe you're not looking for. So when Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook to connect people in ways that no platform had connected them before, he wasn't thinking about protecting privacy. And yet that's an existential threat to that platform if they don't manage that well. That, that, that is such a great point because you're right. One, one, and that was something we've dealt with here, you know, in the last few years when people feel like their privacy, and, and that was with Apple phones and, and the whole thing. And Apple went to the extreme to say, hey, listen, we ain't giving away nothing. <laughs> like, right. You know, this is this is a vault um, because they knew they knew the value of that. And were you, I, I say that like every year I do this period, the last 30 days of every year. And one of the things that I go through is what would put us out of business. Right. And as I've gotten older, you know, in the beginning, it was money. Okay. Right. Like in the first few years, what would put us out of business? Okay. We ran out of money. We didn't obtain enough customers. Now it's like, okay, you know, it, because of the online, all that. No, I mean, could, could something happen within your business that could reputationally destroy you? Uh, could a, a competitor try to destroy your reputation? You know, the way that people can just do reviews, anybody can do reviews now and all that, like you start seeing threats that are, that you never even imagined. Right. And so I, I work, or I, I developed this approach uh, that I call the sequence of reliability and it's four easy steps. And I'll, I'll describe those to you. But the first thing to know about being highly reliable is that there are around six attributes for any business that, that make you reliable at what you do. And those six attributes tend to be universal. So hospitals uh, care a lot, as they should, about patient safety. And then over the past several decades, they've come to care about privacy. But what they haven't learned how to manage is the threat of a cyber attack. As we've become more dependent on electronic health records and technology, the people that run the hospitals didn't, didn't become hospital leaders because they were good at technology, for the most part. And yet a cyber attack will put you out of business in a heartbeat. So being highly reliable in a healthcare environment requires multiple attributes. And we have to pay attention to what we don't do well as well as what we do do well. So let's just for a you know, for a business 101, somebody who's trying to be more resilient, more reliable, managing risks, give me just a, a real generic view of it and how my audience can walk away going, okay, I never thought about that. I maybe need to think about that. Okay, great. So uh, this got developed or, the, or I developed this in, in areas that were considered high consequence. So 
Uh, a plane could crash. Uh, a physician can make the wrong incision and cost a life. A police officer in the blink of an eye could kill someone inadvertently. But what every business leader should know is that there's a sequence and a pattern to how bad things happen and a science to preventing it. And the I, first step- I want to hear these. I want to hear these. I'm right. I got my marker out. I got there, my pad. I'm, I'm ready for this. There's four steps. And it's going to sound so simple, Sean. And it's going to, like a colleague of mine says, it is simple, Scott, but it's not often easy. So it's four simple steps. The first is to see and understand risk. Now, seeing and understanding are different. You can see a risk and not understand it. So in 2020, at the, at, the, at the beginning of the pandemic, the World Health Organization recognized that there was a new novel coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2, but they didn't understand the way in which it would pro propagate. They believed that it would propagate only if you were, you were only infectious if you had a fever. So at the Asian Gateway airports, the transportation officials would take people's temperature, believing that if you were going to be contagious, you would have a fever. Well, that turned out not to be the case. Asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic uh, expression could cause you to be contagious and you feel fine. So they saw it, but they didn't understand it. And so the virus propagated and became a pandemic. Conversely, in society, we all understand the risk of drunk driving, but the way society manages it is very outcome biased. So for example, for every person arrested or pulled over for driving under the influence of alcohol, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that that driver has driven drunk 88 times previously without having been caught. So that's something we, we understand, but we don't always see it when it happens. Well, if you translate that into the business world, we may understand the risk of a supply chain disruption, but if we don't see it coming, we won't be able to manage. And that's what happened to Apple, by the way, as they came out of the pandemic, they didn't, they weren't able to anticipate the supply chain disruptions that occurred in China. And because they were dependent primarily on those manufacturing sites, they weren't diversified enough to be able to shift the focus to another location. Those are aspects that any business can, can be taught. They're just so good though, but the order, I mean, I like the way that you're true. There are times when I've seen things, but you're right. I didn't quite understand the consequences of it. And there's other times where I kind of understood, but I didn't have things in place to see them. Right. Like they, you don't were, see they, they came on me too fast. Right. And this is true, by the way, in everyday life or parenting. It's true. Uh, if, if a child's not doing well in school, punishment alone, making them do their homework won't get them the results we want if they have a learning disability, if we don't see it and understand it. Uh, you can make a sports analogy to the same to the same point. But seeing and understanding risk are step one. Okay, number two. The second step is to improve system reliability. And, and we do this before we manage people, before we manage our employees. We put our employees in the best system we can design given our resources. And systems have two attributes that make them reliable effective when things go right and resilient when things go wrong. And they're two very different strategies because the engineers who build systems to work aren't the same ones that, that figure out how to break it or how to make it resilient when things go wrong. And that's a very important point because in healthcare, for example, uh, they've become very adept at building systems to perform, 
But when the human doesn't operate the system the way it was designed, or people cut a corner, or the system malfunctions, rarely does that system become resilient. Uh, good stuff. Number three. Number three is to manage the human. Now, the human, this is the quirky. Component. There's the problem. This is the yeah, one. Yeah. That's in, in our society, when the plane crashes, the first thing the public wants to know was it pilot error. When exactly. The, when the patient dies on the operating room table, they want to know what the doctor did. Rather than jumping to the behavior, what we want to see, there's two categories of how you manage people. One is the, the performance factors, that is performance management. Well, we, we train people to have knowledge, skills, abilities, and proficiencies. We have to put them in a, in a system that works, but then we have to train them by giving them the right tools, the right knowledge, the right focus. And then we have to help them manage the system factors, the personal factors, and then the cultural the environmental factors. Now, once we've done that well, it's up to the individual to manage their behaviors. And behaviors come in two categories human errors, which are inadvertent. We, we don't intend our human errors. But more importantly than human errors are all the choices we make that influence our rate of error. And those choices can range from cutting a corner because it's justified, cutting its corner to, to save a life or save the business, or cutting a corner because you think you're in a safe place, but sooner or later, something's going to catch up to you. And that's the category, we call it at-risk choice, where humans, by nature, cut corners. If you look on our roadways, studies have shown that 81% of the time, you and I are driving over the speed limit. Most of the time, we're distracted by a cell phone or talking on the phone or doing something you know, in, in, the, in the car. The challenge, though, is that it's a matter of probabilities before that ends up the distractions causing an accident. Or and so a, the law of math always catches up. Right. And, and, and so I say in the book that the world is not random, it's probabilistic. And you can do something a thousand times in a row and get a positive result until that thousand and first time you do it and conditions have changed and now you meet with a disaster. So, and that's true in business as well. The past is not always prologue. The results I got yesterday. So you have to be looking forward, not backward. And so the third step is managing human reliability. And the fourth step, which is if you read most business books, they start with the fourth step. And I'm saying that's the last thing you do is you build in the organizational sustainment. And that's where leadership comes in. You, you build the structure of seeing and understanding risk, managing systems and managing people into a structure, a framework that outlives the CEO outlives the manager, because we're all temporary in our jobs. We're going to move on. We're going to retire. We're going to get promoted. Somebody else is going to come in and take over our jobs. You want to leave that individual a sustainment plan that works, and that involves pulling it all together. And people that understand these first three. That's correct. That's correct. And that's, so you're basically creating this, a good organization has created a culture and training where these are paramount. That's correct. And, and, and that's the, why they hire you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's why they hire I'm a fanatic. I risk. I've, I've, I'm always say, listen, I am, I'm adverse to risk unless I can um, move the chips in my favor. No, I don't, I don't ever just take a blanket risk. I like, I had somebody send me an email the other day talking about, he wanted to start this business. He's been sending me this email 
you know, and uh, wanting to raise money. And then he had a bank that was going to give him this money. It just kind of shows how we manage risk and how people will hear how I view it as because this is a typical thing. So he sends me an email. He goes, Sean, finally found a bank that will loan me the money. Hey, can you read over this and just kind of give me your thoughts? And my, I responded, unless you want to lose everything you own, don't do this. I'm like, you're over the age of 50. You're leveraging your entire retirement if this doesn't go good. It's a new business that you're starting. So it has the probability of 90% fail by decade 10, you know, by year 10. 50% fail in two to three years, depending on the math or what you read. And I said, and you're leveraging it with everything you've worked for for the last 30 years. And they can call this loan in every December. The like, it's like, it's like, I said, do you understand that they could ask for this a year from now? Right. And they want to charge you 12%. Right. I said, can I go through like the 10 things about this that I think are horrible? The point is the risk of the business being great, it could be extraordinarily successful, but I would never take the loan this person was going to take to ever go for that upside. Right. So you as a reliable investor and a coach for other investors, yeah. what I what I like to say is that reliable people build reliable systems. Yeah. So you have a system of how you invest your money. And you know to diversify or you know when to protect your primary assets. You know what to do. You do take risk. You have to take risk in life. Getting out of bed is risky. Yeah. You want to take risk, but you want to be risk intelligent, not risk averse as you go through life. So building yeah, those I think, systems. Yeah, I do. Like at, at, over a certain age, I'm like, you put 5% at risk. and Like what I would put at risk in my 20s. I put 50%. I might put 100%. If I wasn't married, no kids, I'd put everything at risk. 50, whatever I had, because the payoff is so big, right. the damages are so minute in the scale of life, because right. you're going to figure it out and move on. It's going to be a lesson learned. Would I do that same thing in my 40s or 50s? No, there's no no chance that my, my you know, the risks I would take are, 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 are so, you know, much smaller. But I think as entrepreneurs, and I say that because of, you know, with the podcast, I think everybody thinks entrepreneurs are these massive risk takers. And I'm telling you, they're, they they absolutely manage as many things they can possibly, as much safety as we can get in the deal. And anything we're doing, we're trying to get that. And there is a deal to where it's not a good deal, to where in our brains, it's like, it would be good, but I didn't get these, the, you know, I didn't, they, they didn't give me the parachute, you know, the pilot didn't have enough experience. I'm not trying this. Right. Right. Yeah. The smartest investors and the smartest entrepreneurs know what they're good at there. They follow their instincts, but they balance that with the, with the risk reward equation and they plan for the, the what ifs. And this sequence of reliability focuses on that first step. If you don't see and understand the risk, you're operating blindly. And that's a dangerous position in any area of our life. I, I like all of them. I, I like improved system reliability, uh, managing human behavior, performance, the whole thing. I'm so grateful. I have K. Scott Griffith with me here today, uh, the author of The Leader's Guide to Managing Risk, a proven method to build resilience and reliability. Scott, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's my pleasure, Sean. Thank you. I, I love when we can teach a subject in a short amount of time. And I encourage everybody to get the book. Uh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to own a business of any magnitude. You're, this is managing risk 
is just a constant discipline. My, my partners would tell you, Sean is always saying, this is what I'm always saying to them. I see something like the, the, I'm an optimist, but I'm like, I don't like the way this is going based on data. I, 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 this, this is not good. You know, whether it's a workers comp issue or, or a customer's issue, I'm like, okay, I, I don't, I don't, this is not trending in the right direction. So um, I, I think you have to manage risk. So audience, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's brought to you by Gig Strategic. As you know, I'm going to tell you the best digital marketing company for businesses under 500. And they just simply are because they give you a rep to work with and they don't just send you emails and, and turnkey type of documents that you don't understand and have no value and have no flexibility and they don't pivot to help you. So uh, Gig Strategic, reach out. They're fantastic. We're going to talk again real soon. Thank you.